Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Cool World. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. It's a cool world, yeah. Hello there. I couldn't think of any actual <laughs> song. Just, just it's not a cool world, though, is it? <laughs> the world that we live in. Let's be honest. It is a, it is a swamp world. It is warm, too warm. I'm annoyed at the heat. It is the worst. And this is like this is after the like properly horrible hot like apocalypse heat that we had earlier this week. Yeah, what was it? What temperature did it hit where you were in the end? It hit thirty nine here, I think. Yeah, yeah, we were at thirty eight here, which is abhorrent for Britain. Like, oh, it did all the right things, you know, close the windows at the right time, open them at other times as as appropriate, and you know, I was sitting there. It's the afternoon that's the worst. You're like, oh, I've got through the morning. It's like, oh, this, this isn't so bad. And then you're sitting there trying to work. I was at home. I didn't go into the office. Even the office has air conditioning because the train tracks were all literally on fire but they i yeah i'm just sitting there about three o'clock just sweating just sitting there just yep. sweating and like being hardly able to move feeling like you're inside a cocoon it is it is awful i, I think i mentioned to you i've been dressing like a, a an 80s drug kingpin for the entirety of this week with with open floral pattern shirts and a pair of shorts nice and how did that go down on your uh, your work course well i did do up the buttons for the work course i thought i'd better better do that. <laughs> rather than unleash <laughs> the chest hair on them all um but yeah it's been so hot it has been completely unfair and for me it's been the night time has been the worst mm-hmm. it's been so bad um but we watched a movie that's about being cool we did. Did it help you feel cool? Hot World. <laughs> it would be Hot the world. opposite film that Big Boys Productions is going to make. Hot World. We wouldn't even need to make it. We'd just walk outside with the camera. Yeah. <laughs> just walk down the street with a camera. Yeah. Show that. It would just be that. Um, did you see that TikTok video that's going around of a man having a swim in a bin? And it's like, I have seen it's that. It's the most yes. British fellow ever. In, obviously, it's staged, but it's still very, very good. It's just going to be that, but made into a feature length film. Bin world. Bin world. The man who wants to swim in his bin. <laughs> I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But basically, it's a guy, a British a British bloke. And when we say a British bloke, you know what I mean by a bloke, right? He's, he's bald, yeah. he's shirtless, yeah. he's got leathery skin, and he's sitting in a bin, trying to have a swim in his own bin. He's got a little cocktail in one hand, sitting in his bin. Um, and it's it's yeah it's it's obviously very much staged but it's it's enjoyable nonetheless yeah it's funny i'm sure everyone complained that everything was staged back in the day when you know books were starting to be written and when you know it's like that when robinson crusoe was revealed to not be a real diary it's it's the same thing as that isn't it but on tiktok (laughs) exactly exactly what it is exactly the same as robinson crusoe yeah (laughs) So, Cool World is a film. 
It certainly is. My God. I mean, yeah, I was watching this <laughs> off and on, sort of in between work. I watched it in sort of two chunks in between work stuff on Monday and Tuesday when it was really hot. So maybe that has coloured my view of it slightly. But I've never seen anything like this in my life. Have you? I have only seen Cool World. Well, you've seen Cool like World this before. in my life. I had seen it before. Um, is it a shit piece? I think it is. Yeah. 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 From, so yeah, for, for any for, new for, listeners, oh yeah, you you can you can do the definition this <laughs> sure. time. <laughs> for for new listeners, a shit piece doesn't just mean a piece of shit movie. A shit piece is like a shit masterpiece, essentially, where it's someone who's trying to do something incredibly ambitious and ends up very wide of the mark, but we still appreciate the ambition behind it. A masterpiece of shit. A masterpiece of shit, exactly. Um, and so Cool World, I think, falls into that category fairly comfortably, actually. It, this is not a good film. Not not by any definition, <laughs> not by any stretch of the imagination can this be considered good. And yet there is something extremely compelling about it. There's something extremely important <laughs> exactly. about it. And it, you can tell that there is ambition behind it, can't you? Yeah, yeah, there's something about it which is just kind of hypnotic to watch and you're just like, gosh, I really respect that they tried to do this, yeah. I think is the best way to explain it. Exactly. This is a million miles away from today's, you know, algorithmic content churn, isn't it? And there is value in that. But at the same time, it is shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what's interesting is that Part of the reason it's shit is the same reason that a lot of modern movies are shit, in that there was an awful lot of executive meddling. (laughs) No, that's unfair. That is unfair. That is unfair. Brad Pitt doesn't do that many movies. No, I like Brad Pitt. I'm a a fan of old Bradamus. He's a very handsome man. Um, I like I like him and stuff. I think he's he's rather good. Um, and him and J Lo just got married. Ben Ben Affleck. Oh Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Brad Pitt. Same guy. Yeah. Exactly the same, same person. Handsome guys who are in a lot of movies. You know. <laughs> Every actor in Hollywood. Yep. Is is Brad Pitt. That's, That's right. Um... <laughs> Genuinely though, when you um, think you name an actor because of Shania Twain's song that don't impress me much, where she says, Okay, so you're Brad Pitt. To me, Brad Pitt is always the actor, right? He's he's the actor. He's he's the handsome nineties actor. Yeah. That don't what, impress me much. What's cool interesting world. is go to go to Brad Pitt's IMDb page, and I want you to tell me which known for movies come up for you. Is this one of those things where it's algorithmic and it's going to give me different things to you? Well, I am. Or are we about to find that out? I am. A, I think we're about to find that out because I'm very surprised at what comes up here. Okay, I've got known for Ad Astra. Producer, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, John Smith, Moneyball, producer, 12 Monkeys, Jeffrey Goines. So you've got the same things as me, and those, none of them are movies that I would choose Brad Pitt as known for, for, would you? No. Um, Moneyball is a big deal, and... It's a big deal for people who like baseball, which is you. Well, Moneyball, I think, is actually one of those films that interested people outside of baseball who don't like baseball. It was all it 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 had its moment and then disappeared entirely, like a lot of those kind of movies where it was there for a yeah. year and people. Oh, were, he's were like, a producer oh. on the adaptation of Black Hole. The graphic he novel is, by yes. Charles Burns. I did not know that. It's an extremely good comic. Um, see, if I was going to choose the the Brad Pitt movies, 
it would probably be Fight Club 7. Uh, Ocean's 11, maybe? Yeah, Fight Club, I think, is the one I would lean lean towards. And then may- maybe Inglorious Bastards? Inglorious Bastards. Bastards. See, this is, this is why, actually, when we're looking at films, I don't know if you know this, but I actually always go to Wikipedia over IMDb because I prefer the layout and the way that it presents you with the kind of best known for stuff I find is generally there was I find the IMDB page is too chaotic and actually holding kind of too much information and they also have annoying ads rolling along the sides but yeah I usually go straight to Wikipedia yeah the first the first like three or four paragraphs on a Wikipedia page tell you what you need to know if you need to very quickly know about somebody yeah um what I don't like about Wikipedia is then I don't need to know all of the other stuff (laughs) Yeah. You're looking for something specific. What happened to Brad Pitt in 1996? Mm, right, I better look through all of this random information here. I don't um, want to know about his rise to prominence or his <laughs> cannabis use. <laughs> oh yeah, he's uh, he's an old. Uh, he's admitted to using cannabis, hasn't he? Yeah. Which is yeah. Wow. What a what a what a what a guy. But what is interesting about Brad Pitt is that he's got face blindness. Oh really? Uh, prosopagnosia, I think it is. Which so he he does he does actually have um, he he has difficulty recognizing people's faces essentially, which I think has been really difficult for him, particularly in an industry which is so heavily built around networking and those kind of connections. I think it must have been quite challenging when he was younger, but then nowadays he was saying it makes people think that I'm just an asshole because I don't recognize anyone and all of these people are saying that oh I've met you loads of times and you don't know me. Um but actually yeah, he does have this um he does have face blindness, which is which is wow, interesting. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. I mean there are, there are no actors in Hollywood without a face, are there? Apart from that one guy in Spirited Away. Uh that's true. He does not have a face. Um, <laughs> he's literally called No Face. He's actually called. There's also the man without a face. Oh yeah. Um, the Mel Gibson movie about, I assume, a man without a face. Yeah, I've not seen it. I, I, I would I'd be watch quite it. happy never to watch a film with Mel Gibson in <laughs> ever again. Um, is that a, is that a remake of the original Man Without a Face films, which were made in like the 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 twenties and thirties. Oh, I don't know about those. Um, one of them's like a like an adventure movie. One of them's like a a, a mystery. Almost. Yeah. I don't know whether this is the same one or whether it's just called Man Without a Face. But I assume it is about a man who literally has no face. Um, yeah. But Cool World has lots of faces. Let's let's bring this back on track because it is incredibly warm. And it does have Brad Pitt's face. His very, very young face. <laughs> Extremely in this. young face. And uh, he's... I think all of the acting in this movie is maybe not as good as it could have been. Well, I, I would say with the possible exception of Kim Basinger, because I feel like she is really trying. Interestingly, she I feel was... like she's working hard with everything that she's got, she... which is not much. Yeah, I, I in think... In terms of script or characterization or... Yeah, I think they're all trying. I don't actually blame any of the actors for the performances in this. Um, in fact, actually, um, she got nominated for a Razzie, the worst awards. I don't mean that in terms of their awards for bad performances. I think they're just incredibly mean-spirited and they shouldn't exist. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she got nominated for a Razzie for her performance in this, which I think is very unfair because she is the person with the most screen time, I'd wager, in this movie. She's the person who's the driving force of the film's plot. 
and has to do that switch between animated and real world an awful lot more than the other characters. Yes. And I think it's really difficult because this movie clearly didn't have the structure behind it that Who Framed Roger Rabbit had. So I think the actors in this movie, the real world actors, will want to a hiding for nothing from the world go, really. Saying that there's any structure at all, I think, is perhaps being <laughs> kind to it. <laughs> this this movie is. I, I genuinely was thinking, am I am I have I got heat stroke right now? It's, yeah, is, same. Is, is, is this is this genuinely what's happening? Um, and it turns out, yes, it is. It, it is an incredibly loose movie, which is not what you want from a film that's so technically heavy. Um, you can't make a movie that... Even though it doesn't feel like it. I mean, I'm sure in 1992 people were impressed by the tech, but by the, the blending of real world and live animation, but it looks it looks awful, doesn't it? Actually. And I mean, I think even, at, even for the time it looked awful. I mean, compared to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which came four years earlier and obviously inspired this and perhaps in many ways paved the way for it it looks awful compared to that which actually look still technically looks amazing yeah actually what's interesting is that um even the animation wasn't necessarily particularly or or rather the, the the animation was was applauded because ralph bakshi's got a very interesting style and and that that does yeah. show through here but even like the technical side of things wasn't that impressive so you had people talking about the occasional interesting visual spark and stuff like that and and the visuals being interesting here and there but it didn't have the same wide applause that who framed roger rabbit had and i think this kind of shows a it lacked the quality that who framed roger rabbit had from a technical perspective but also the complete failure of this film's story (laughs) um yeah it can't be hidden by the fact that it sometimes looks there's moments here that do look good i think the moment where hollywood's character changes from cartoon to real life for the first time Mm. is actually really impressive um yeah and i actually really like the sort of grungy slightly metal aesthetic of the cool world yes the way that there's always that sort of pumping industrial metal type music going on in the background um and the way that links to the sort of the darkness of it i actually really like that and i think it's a really interesting and engaging aesthetic it's just that there's no story hanging off of it no and it's like a it's like watching a music video like an early corn video or something. It, it does feel like you're watching a music video, particularly the end of the movie as well, when all of the the, the animated um, characters burst out into Los Angeles, uh, not Los Angeles, Las Vegas. Um, that that feels really like you're watching a music video. Um, and and yes, yeah, sometimes it, it does work really well. And I'd actually, I would love a movie set in Cool World about Cool World rather than this meta take on this universe that they made up and never really explain what it's about. I think that would be really It's almost like this is a sequel to something that doesn't exist. Yeah, it it feels like fan fiction for a story that was never made. It it, it is what this feels like. So if anyone doesn't know what Cool World is, um, Cool World is about this, this animated universe where the creator gets sucked in as a real-life human being. Um, Then he has sex with one of the cartoons, which is the one rule of Cool World, is you can't do that. Um, And it ends up nearly destroying the universe. Not because it's perverted, but because it causes problems with the space-time continuum or something. Yes, and it's interesting you used the words perverted there, Paddy. I don't think we've watched a hornier movie than Cool World. (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, the, the second that Hollywood comes on screen, you're like, wow, this is incredibly horny. And like the entire film is horny from that point onwards, not just with her character, but with other characters as well. It is just a, yep. a horn dog experience from start to finish, um, which is quite something. Um, like we were talking about Who Framed Roger Rabbit having those horn moments last last episode, but this takes it to a whole other level. Yeah, it's, it's, there's there's subtle horn in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which buried in a, a relatively unsubtle film. But yeah, this this film got makes Who Framed Roger Rabbit look like yeah, like a masterclass in subtext. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this movie, uh, I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. That's this movie. <laughs> that's that's Ralph Bakshi's deal. <laughs> exactly. Um, he thought the same about Tolkien, of course. <laughs> funnily enough his lord of the rings is the only other film of his that i've seen i don't think i've actually seen loads of his work um and i had that on we had that on vhs when i was a kid and i actually really loved it i think i read i read the books first and then i was like oh wow there's an animated film but it's only kind of half of it Uh, but i still liked it and i actually did recognize the style and i could see ralph bakshi's hand in 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 having done that when i watched cool world but yeah, yeah, I haven't actually seen loads of his work. It's he's had a very interesting career with some really cool movies. Um Fire and Ice is extremely fun, which is like a dark fantasy animated movie. Um very interesting, very unique. Um and um Wizards is another good one of his. His his most famous movie is Fritz the Cat, which was his first one. Yeah, which I didn't know actually is is the Robert Crumb, of course. Yeah, it's a it's a um, and yeah, it's this big old countercultural animated movie, anti Disney kind of thing, um, really setting up this alternative thing, and it's it's a it's a raunchy film, um, and again yeah. has some of the same problems as Cool World in terms of it being a meandering nightmare, but equally. <laughs> is kind of interesting in its way um what what's also interesting is um he he did a movie called coonskin in the 1970s which is basically taking disney to task for stuff like song of the south um so he's 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 had a really interesting career filled with these kind of political movies almost but the very at the very least being very much deliberately counterculture um and and cool world feels like that doesn't it it feels like the counterculture version of who frame roger rabbit just shit absolutely no i'm from that point of view i'm really really glad that it exists and that's part of what makes it a shit piece as well is that actually yeah it is doing something interesting and something that is very very anti-mainstream but without sticking two fingers up at everything either or without just being kind of like, Oh, everything's rubbish. It's, there is a satirical element to it. I mean, probably less so than there is in Ralph Bakshi's other films or so I gather, but it's still very, very interesting. Yeah. And I think it could have been a lot better than it actually was as well. Like this movie has, has things that are good about it, but overall it is a very difficult film to recommend for anyone outside of just hey watch this you're never going to see anything quite like it um yeah did you did i think i think it's worth watching i think if you you have to go into it with an open mind and not expect to be necessarily entertained but to have an interesting cinematic experience yeah it's interesting maybe not entertaining that's probably the best way to describe it but did did you read about its development at all 
A little bit, yeah. I read that Ralph Bakshi punched the producer, which <laughs> yes. then turned out not to be true. Which turned out not to but, be true. Um, um, so originally, the actual initial story sounds amazing and sounds like a true horrifying experience to watch. So it was going to be a live action slash animated horror film initially. Oh, that's right. Where yeah. what happens is a cartoonist gets sucked into the world he's created, which is what happens here. Um, then he has sex with the character that he's created, which happens here. But then he has a half cartoon, half human hybrid child. <laughs> he abandons it and goes back to the real world. And then this 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 hybrid child who's hated in the cartoon world escapes the cartoon world to hunt down his father and kill him. Which sounds amazing. And I would love to see that movie. Um, I'm thinking. Do you reckon the only reason they didn't do it was because it would have been too difficult to not do like a horrible thing when trying to do a half cartoon, half human hybrid? Yeah, I I think. Well, the way that I imagine it is, they probably try and do something akin to Judge Doom, where they've got that kind of um, computer generated, um, or like that splicing, where maybe the eyes of that 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 horrifying animation behind it and things like that where the animation comes out every so often but overall it's a it's a um it's it's a human being acting the role and i imagine that's probably the way they try and do it and i would love to see that movie i think that would be such a cool film i'd love to see his son get flattened by a steamroller (laughs) Is what you're saying. Exactly, exactly. Um, but then it got rewritten and rewritten and rewritten, and apparently they were worried about it being R-rated or X-rated, so they dialed it down an awful lot, and they made it, a, I think it ended up being a, a, a PG-13 in the end. Um, right. Which is interesting given how horny this movie is, but it never crosses the line into being too horny for a PG-13. I think maybe today it would probably be bumped up to R based on the the sort of innuendo side of it um yeah but um but yeah it, it went through all of these rewrites and all of these huge difficulties in production which ends up with this kind of incomprehensible mess at the end of the day from a plot perspective yeah it, yeah it really you're just like what the hell is going on something happens and you're like oh, okay we're over here now we're in the cool world oh now brad pitt's back like what's actually happening and a lot of it is like all the kind of weird henchman guys just kind of doing their henchman thing and you're like it's really these guys are getting a lot of screen time and i'm not really sure why (laughs) yeah there's so much there's so much screen time given to random animated characters which again if you turn the sound down and put on a a pink floyd album in the background and just watch it with zero context you can think this is a cool movie um but when you add that context in from the plot, you're thinking, why on earth am I dealing with these random side characters? Whether it's the weird spider friend of um, Brad Pitt, his like deputy, yeah. or, or whether it's the three henchmen of Hollywood who are going around wanting to watch her have sex with Gabriel Byrne, which is a very odd thing for henchmen. Yeah, to and they're to all do. going, she promised we could watch. Really strange. Again, everyone in this movie is spectacularly horny. It's a bit nasty, it's, it's isn't very, it? It's very seedy. This is an incredibly seedy film. Um, and yeah, it's so it's so odd that you spend all of this time with these characters and then there's all these kind of non-sequiturs with other random animated characters which go nowhere apart from almost being tiny animated shorts in the middle of things. Um, and that just leaves the actual plot feeling, you know, threadbare. You don't really know what's going on. And 
this is the kind of movie where, hey, HBO, now that you've messed up Game of Thrones. I know you listen every week. <laughs> now you listen every week. Now, Jonathan HBO. Yeah, John, John HBO. Uh, now that you've made Westworld into something vaguely incomprehensible by doing too many seasons out of it, why don't you challenge yourselves, pick up Cool World, one of the most notorious failures in Hollywood, and turn it into a TV series where yeah. you can actually explore what Cool World is, the actual law behind it as to why people want to get out of Cool World and into the real world and why, how people realise that you can't have sex with real people. Uh, try, try and explain that. And then actually spend some time developing the characters and have that split-off point and use things like modern technology to make sure that it actually works well. Yeah, I think the technology that we have now, you could do something really incredible with that concept. And I think the time is nigh for someone to try again with this whole kind of hybrid cartoon live action thing. But to to do it maybe not with kind of horrible Zemeckis style C- PlayStation 2 CGI, <laughs> but to actually do 2D cartoons, but do them really well. You know, like how Disney is still making 2D cartoons. Yeah. Um, yeah. Occasionally, you know, that doesn't happen that often, but there's still a few films every now and then. Um, you know, the, and the way they can do it would be amazing, I think, but needs the right person behind it and the right idea. And Cool World isn't the right idea for that. I'm not saying let's remake Cool World, but a, a TV series of it could work. Yeah, it could It could work incredibly well. I think that kind of thing could... You give an idea like this, this real screwball idea, you give it that room to explore over a, a fixed TV series. Never think about making a second series. Just make it a one-and-done thing. And really give it the time that it deserves. And I think it could be something really interesting. The problem, of course, is that when you think about live action slash animated things, it always leans towards kids stuff, doesn't it? And Cool World is like the only example that you can really think of, off the top of my head anyway, that really manages to blend the two with adults in mind. Yeah, I mean, the the one you think of is Pete's Dragon, (laughs) which they remade in 2016. But I'm not. I don't think it's like a hybrid thing, is it? It's just they've done CGI to make it look real. Or space, I think. space Jam Two as well, of course. D- doesn't exist. Which doesn't count. Doesn't count. Um, and and yeah. So you'd need to really frame it as this adult-centric thing. But I think it could work. I think it could work really well if if someone gave it the time to actually develop it, and maybe went back to Ralph Bakshi's original idea and had the final sort of have have the final development of it being around this cartoon slash human child hunting down his father in the real world and you could trade on the nostalgia that people have for cartoons right you know by having 2d cartoons but doing it well using modern technology you know it's a very very difficult line to walk but i think it could be done I think... Basically, Big Boys Animation Studios is hiring. (laughs) Exactly. I also think you could maybe, if you wanted to be clever about it, this movie obviously is very meta about the the real world slash uh, created worlds, and I think you could do something similar with it, where, um, let's, let's take this as a plot example, maybe there is this cult comic called Cool World, which is being created by someone, but it's not selling particularly well, and, um it's going to be discontinued. Now, in the worlds of the toons that live in Cool World, 
that actually means that their universe ends. So they have to try and think of a way to make sure that they continue living. And the idea they come up with is to break into the real world and murder the creator so that it gets this notoriety around it, so that it has that kind of um, morbid, morbid, morbidity which keeps the, the, the comic book running. Uh, where they where they keep releasing it, where it's you know it becomes that cult classic. Oh, the the creator got murdered in a horrible way. Um, so weird goth kids pick it up to read it. You could do something like that with it as well, where it's like mm. okay, we can play around with the idea about the the um how actually when we think about things like the 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 permanence of art, actually things aren't permanent because things get lost. When you look at things like digital preservation, how many video games, how many movies get lost to time because no one wants to uh, put them on digital platforms, which means that the only versions that exist are, are physical media, which no one uses anymore. Yeah, I mean, I was glad I was able to watch Cool World for the the price of two forty nine on Amazon Prime, which is where all of our content <laughs> seems to live in that universe. It does, <laughs> but- yeah, yeah. But there is stuff out there that that hasn't been digitized. Exactly, exactly. And so I think you could do something like that with it and turn it into this critique of the way that we preserve important works of art. So come to Big Boys Productions. Let's make Cool World a thing. HBO, get in touch. Let's let's do Cool World. Let's remake yeah. Cool World and make it good. Big Boys Animation Studios wants you if you know how to draw horrible cartoon characters. <laughs> but do it well. <laughs> And speaking of horrible, did you know that we talked about the notoriously bad Who Framed Roger Rabbit video game? Yeah. Did you know Cool World had video games as well? Of course it did. I was going to ask you that, actually, <laughs> because I, did, I didn't look because I knew that you would know and be able to tell me. <laughs> Who looked at Cool World and thought, you know what's going to sell really well? A video game for a console owned by kids. Let's make a video game of Cool World. So it had Game Boy, NES, SNES versions, as well as stuff like the Amiga, the Atari, the Commodore, and stuff like that. Um, and it's dog shit platforming games. Of course it is, because what else? Got, uh, what what else got made out of out of movies in the nineties? But um, like, why? Why? It's, it's a box office bomb. <laughs> But I guess the wheels were probably in motion already. It's like, this is going to be a big film. It'll be a big game as well. Like, every big film in the 90s got a shit video game, didn't it? What's interesting is that um, it came out in 1992, so it came out the same year as the as the, um, as the the movie for stuff like the Amiga, stuff like MS-DOS, stuff like the Commodore. But then when it came to the Nintendo consoles, that came out in 1993. So, like, a year later... For the Game Boy, for the NES, for the SNES, you get these versions of the game that no kids would have watched. Like here, it's here's truly... a video game adaptation of a critically panned, horrendous <laughs> shit piece. That wasn't but also, meant maybe for kids. people didn't know that. That's the thing. Maybe you have to remember there wasn't the internet back then. Maybe people, maybe the crossover between people who were buying NES games and people who read reviews of films or knew about films wasn't as big as we thought. I think some people might have gone down to the your, late, your local Apollo video or Blockbuster video or whatever and just seen it there to rent and gone, oh, well, that looks interesting and weird. I'll rent that, not knowing about the context. So maybe it was more for that kind of market. Or oh, Paddy, this will shock you, but take a guess at what the artwork looks like for the Cool World video games. Is it a pixelated version of Hollywood standing there with her bum towards the camera? 
well no it's just the anime it's just the a drawing of her rather than a pixelated one but yes that is exactly what the artwork is for all of the (laughs) game versions of cool world so i wonder how they were trying to sell this game to people i wonder yeah um but can we talk a little bit about people were very very horny for nes games they were extremely horny for nes games um (laughs) castlevania 3 dracula's curse oh mate give me some of that alucard action yeah um (laughs) <laughs> sexy that's where the sexy vampire originates you know yeah exactly it was long before um robert pattinson was doing it <laughs> there were no sexy vampires before castlevania 3 that was the no. first the first sexy vampire in in pop culture um can we talk a little bit about character design though because actually i quite like how varied and strange the character designs are in this movie i think the animation feels a bit too stilted and the big problem with the way this movie looks is unlike who framed roger rabbit where they put a lot of effort into things like shadows like the the physical world moving around the cartoons a uh, cool world doesn't do that which is why it looks very strange to watch there's no reaction to someone being touched by a tune to a tune interacting with the real world um none of that happens here yeah. but from a character design perspective i actually think some of the characters look really cool yeah they do and that is a testament to Ralph Bakshi's animation style and his his work. I mean, he's done a lot of really really good animated films up to this point, so he actually really does know what he's doing um, in terms of in terms of that. Yes, yeah, exactly. So so there 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 are positives here to be found. Not many. This is not a good movie, but there's bits and pieces that do work quite well here, and I think it is an interesting it's an interesting film. It's a, a lot of the um, the little monster guys who are always inexplicably in every scene gurning. They sort of remind you of Ren and Stimpy, don't you? There's a bit of there's a bit of yeah, nostalgia yeah. for that. And apparently, it did it did have some inspiration uh, for Ren and Stimpy as well. Cool World. And I remember we had a Ren and Stimpy game on the Mega Drive, and actually we had the game before we'd seen any of the cartoons. And then I wanted to watch it one day, and my mum was like, "Nah, too weird." <laughs> too odd uh that game was terrible wasn't it the ren and stimpy game yeah it was awful and i played it for hours and never completed it (laughs) all of those games were like that do you remember did you play any of the 90s uh simpsons games uh maybe one Uh, bart versus the space mutants was one that we had and there's no way you could complete any of these games unless you had a walkthrough because the the route to complete them was so obtuse that you'd never get it like i think Bart versus the Space Mutants, each level had a different thing you needed to do, like knock the hats off people or spray paint anything that was purple red was another thing. But like it was these really random things you had to spray paint. And so you'd you'd never work it out unless unless you absolutely knew exactly what you had to do. And, And that's kind of how these games were created back in the day. It's really quite something else. Yeah, they were created to sell the guides or the magazines in which nerds would give you the hints that you needed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You'd get a Nintendo, official Nintendo magazine. Yeah, I was, I was a religious subscriber for many years. And then you'd have a you'd have a, a note saying, this is how you beat level one of Bart versus the Space Mutants. Yeah, or it would have like a map of whatever platformer you'd give you to see the whole level spread across two pages. I thought that was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, I remember they used to do that a lot with the um, Legend of Zelda games, where they yeah. give you all of the um, all of the maps and things like that. Particularly the second Zelda game, the the, the side scrolling one. 
Oh, that game is so bad. <laughs> I love Zelda, but fuck that game. I don't think it's necessarily bad. Um, I think it feels a lot like Castlevania 2. Yeah, which is also not very good. <laughs> which I, I don't necessarily... I prefer it. I, I, I don't necessarily yeah, think good. they're bad. I think they're trying to do something very ambitious for the time period, which they couldn't quite pull off with that era of game development. Yeah, both of them feel sort of oddly sparse when yeah. you're moving around in the worlds of them. It's like, oh, well, I'm going here. Oh, now here's a few monsters. Oh, now I'm dead. But it's like one or two monsters appeared and killed you. And I actually, I played a similar NES game recently that called Getsu Fuma Den. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. No. But it's no. it never it was never released outside of Japan. So I'm trying to get through a lot of Japanese dialogue and not really understanding what's going on. But it's got a similar kind of overworld thing to the Adventure of Link. And then when you go into the like the 2D bit where all the monsters are attacking you, there are loads of monsters flying at you in a, quite kind of a Castlevania-ish way. It's it's considered, you know, it was made by Konami. It's very similar to Castlevania. But it's but the way it does the monsters and the jumping and the combat is really engaging. And it's like, that's what's missing from games like Adventure of Link, where it's just the combat is so dire. And the rest of the time you're wandering around going, well, yeah, I'm in a village, but who cares? <laughs> One of the better ones of that kind of thing was, um, is it called Battle for Olympus? I think it's called, and it's like oh, a rings a bell. It's like a Greek myth-based one, and that's that's rather good. I remember playing that, um, and you've got Faxanadu as well. Fuck Xanadu. Fuck Fuck Xanadu. Yeah. So Faxanadu <laughs> is, um, it's uh, it's a spin-off of Xanadu, not the movie Xanadu, but the video game series Xanadu. Not and the song the... by Olivia Newton-John. No, no. Um, and it was released for the Famicom, so it was Fax Xanadu, which then obviously does translate to fuck Xanadu, which, <laughs> which is quite good. Um, and that was rather good fun. And that's a similar thing where it's like a, 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 a role-playing game almost, but side-scrolling um, with lots of towns to visit and things like that. And that work, that works pretty well. Yeah, and they actually made a um, a sequel to Getsu Fuma Den, which came out this year, um, which is called Undying Moon, and it's it's in two point five D. So I haven't played it, obviously, but it's like more like a kind of hash and hack and slash one. But it's got like Japanese Yukioe art, and it looks amazing. Oh, cool! It's really worth checking out. Oh, excellent! I have received my Steam Deck. Oh really? How's it? When did you get it? Have you played Literally it? Literally arrived today, so I didn't look at it until after work. So I'm just installing stuff oh. on it now. Pivot um, to nerd chat if you don't know. The Steam Deck is the new video game console from Steam, who have been making been like the place where you go to buy games on PC for a really long time, and now they've released a console you can play them all on. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's just a little. Um, it's like a, a hand. It's, a, it's the new Game Boy, but for PC games. Yeah, and so it's I've the got hundreds Nintendo of Switch games. on steroids. As I call yeah, it. I, I've yeah. got the. I've got a. I've got hundreds of, of PC games that I've cultivated over the years. So um, it's it's brilliant for me. It's really good. Um, so at the moment, I'm installing an F1 game, which normally you only get to play on PC or on big old consoles. You can't get it on uh, on the Switch or anything like that. Um, so I'm very excited to see how that looks and works. But to be honest, I'm probably just going to end up playing Stardew Valley on it because yeah. every console <laughs> I own, I end up just playing loads of Stardew Valley on. Um, but There's nothing wrong with that. I'm very impressed with it so far. It looks very good. But what it doesn't have is the Cool World video game. Yet. But when, Yet. I, when I mod it to get all of the emulated games on it, I'll be able to play Cool World on it, I'm sure. Yes. 
So yeah, I want to check it out. (laughs) Which I'm sure that's that's what they were thinking about when they made the Steam Deck. Is who's good? We need to make a console where someone can play Cool World for the NES on uh, on the go. Cool World. Who framed Roger Rabbit? The one where you need to call a number that no longer exists (laughs) and McDonald Land. Um, I have McDonald Land. I played that so much. Do you actually? Yeah, I had that. I don't know why we had it. I never used to really like McDonald's as a kid, but we ended up with a video game. Um, which yeah, it's it's a it's a it's like a it's a Mario game essentially. Yeah, basically, but with the Hamburglar. He's stolen. I don't think he's even stolen the burgers. I think he's stolen like magic coins or something. It's something like that. And yeah, then I Ronald McDonald tells you you have to go and get the magic coins back. Yeah, Ronald McDonald can't do it himself. Of course, you couldn't possibly play as Ronald McDonald. He get have to do his dirty work. You get you play as these two kids with cool haircuts. Yeah, it was radical cool haircuts, dude. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, so yeah, um, the time when Cool World was made was that. That's a little bit of a snippet, I think, of what things were like, you know, through the lens of our our nostalgia for when we we were quite small children then. But all of the the effect that it had on nineties culture, all this kind of stuff, I think actually. Maybe it, maybe stuff like Cool World did permeate through to mainstream culture eventually a few years later. Yeah, it's become a kind of, not really a cult classic as such, but it's become a kind of cult movie, hasn't it? Yeah. You hear about it, you hear it mentioned occasionally, don't you? Yeah, people talk about Cool World. It's, it's, um, it's maybe less, um, Less hated than it was, I guess, is the way to describe it. Because this movie was despised when it came out. Genuinely, genuinely hated. Um, It was a box office bomb. uh, Maybe only back half of its budget, which is not good. Um, But the critics completely panned it. So a few examples here of what critics had to say about Cool World. Um, So um, one key example is from um, our main man, Roger Ebert. Who of said, course. Cool World is a seriously troubled film, so ragged, I doubt even the director can explain the storyline. Um, That's fair. Is fair, <laughs> uh, to be honest. Um, uh, here's one from Variety. Style has seldom pummeled substance as severely as in Cool World. <laughs> um, saying that it is a combination funhouse ride slash acid trip. Uh, which again that's, that's not does inaccurate. kind of ex- does kind of explain how it feels to watch this movie. Um, there, there were some people that vaguely liked it. Um, uh, the, someone uh, from uh, someone from the Wall Street Journal said a brilliant but completely muddled concoction about the relationship between fantasy and reality. Which again, I think is yeah. is, is pretty fair. And that's the thing, brilliant. That's the kernel of it, isn't it? The kernel of that that commentary on the line between fantasy and reality is there in this film, and that is actually very clever. It's just the way that it's ex- executed is just so so out there and so off the wall. And I do think it's a good concept as well. The concept is really really engaging, and that's those are the kinds of concepts that I do want to see on film. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's something that you want to see. You want to see people. Ex- experiencing these kind of things and talking about these kind of things um we do have a a one final very important one that i wanted to point out to you which is the thoughts of the christian science monitor oh of course yeah um who described no they listen every week who described it as hopelessly vulgar (laughs) which again fair i i I want that on my gravestone (laughs) hopelessly Hopelessly vulgar. vulgar 
<laughs> Love it. Um, but yeah, so this movie was panned by critics. Audiences didn't think much more of it. But over time, people have maybe worn to it a little bit. So it's sitting at a 4.8 on IMDb. It's sitting at 5.7 on Metacritic. Hey, it could be um, worse. Which could be a lot worse, um, you know, in terms of audience scores. Um, so it, it's found an audience of sorts. I think it still has this notoriety around it, which I think is fair. This movie is definitely not for everyone. And I wouldn't... I don't think anyone could say hand on heart that this is a great film. No. I would be very interested to hear what like a Gen Z person would make of this. Any if yeah. like someone who's like 17, 18 and is, you know, there there are kids coming up now, kids who are in their sort of mid to late teens now, you know, they've had kind of TikTok and instant video content now for a few years and that's something that they've basically grown up with that like to have something like this that's a, lo- a long film that's so yeah hard to understand and yeah I-, I would love for a gen z to sit down and watch this and then give us their thoughts it feels i know like we have sh- loads of listeners who are um there's loads of yeah. gen zers who listen to our podcast they definitely they definitely love hour-long podcasts about film <laughs> hour-long <laughs> rambling podcasts about films they've yeah. never watched yeah yeah um I, but I, I mean, this movie is essentially a shit post in in movie format, isn't it? So, yeah. I think there's something there that maybe Gen Zers would would grasp. They'd grasp some of the countercultural weight of Cool World and maybe Ralph Bakshi might... original shit poster. Original shit poster, exactly. Yeah, I think there's a through line from Ralph Bakshi to Drill. You know what? If Drill was to make a movie, it would feel a lot like Cool World, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. If you look at all his like weird drawings and stuff. There's a little cool world in there. Everyone's got a little bit of cool world in them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there, there, there's there's something, there's a cheeky charm to cool world um, amongst its grotesqueness. Yeah. I, I wrote down something which, which I, I think is interesting, which is that it reminded me of a Prince film. You know how, like, with Prince's movies, Purple Rain is perhaps the most coherent, and then they get steadily less coherent as they go on until you end up at Three Chains of Gold, which is something else. We can just <laughs> yes. talk about that. But how it's all about the aesthetic and all about kind of his idea of presenting this this vision, I guess. it. I, I got a similar vibe from Cool World. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you mean there. No, there's definitely that kind of feel to it, isn't there? Which is funny because Kim Basinger dated Prince for a while in the nineties. Oh, Not while this was made, but yeah, that's just yeah. an aside. But yeah, there's the way that it's like the Prince show. This is kind of the the cool world show, isn't it? That it the it doesn't matter how much story there is because it's all about the the weird cartoon goons, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The little green ghouls, exactly. <laughs> the little green ghouls, exactly. Um. Kim Basinger, I think, is someone who maybe doesn't get as much love as she should. Yeah. Um, I mean, Academy Award winner. Yep. Um, for, for LA Confidential, an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously in Batman as well, The Prince Batman. That's right, yeah. Um, which is a great, again, a great film. Um, but then has been in all sorts of really interesting stuff over the years as well. She's in Eight Mile, if you remember. That's the, right, yeah. Um, the, the Eminem movie. Um, she was, of course, in the Fifty Shades trilogy. Oh yeah, she popped up in that. <laughs> um, so there's been yeah, there's been all sorts of really interesting stuff she's done in her career, but maybe she's not thought of as 
well as people should think of her. Personally speaking, I think there should be more love for, for her. For yeah, her, you don't her. hear her mentioned as as much. No, no. Um, as I much mean, as probably her peers, I guess, some of her peers who are yeah. perhaps less good. I don't know. I can't yeah, think of anyone, yeah. but you know what I mean. But yeah, when you think of people who are around in the same era, there's people whose maybe careers have continued a lot longer with a lot more positivity than than hers, when actually I think there's... Um, there's some quality here. Um, just thinking she was in... Did, did you ever watch The Nice Guys? No. That looks... Nah, can't be bothered with that. It's very good. I would recommend it. It's very funny. It, it looks like one of those films where guys think they're really clever and they're saying lots of pseudo-clever lines. It lo- it looks... it looks. I know it's not Tarantino, but it has that, it has the Tarantino vibe about it. Do you know what I mean? No, it's it's very much Shane Black who made it. He's got his very own unique style. It's not Tarantino-esque. And actually, the, the 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 main characters are incredibly stupid. And that's the whole... There's a lot of stuff about them being incredibly stupid in the film. It is it is good. I would recommend The Nice Guys. All right. I'm listening. Um, and yeah, she's in that as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think we need more, more King Basinger. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I thought her performance in this was far and away the best. I mean... Brad out of Pitt the, out of very, the three very young. actual human beings in this movie, I think she's yeah. the best. Yeah, Brad Brad Pitt was extremely wooden, and Gabriel Byrne was just kind of walking around with this hangdog expression. Yeah, I, I did not care for either of their performances. Sorry. Brad. Yeah, I, I think I think Brad Pitt obviously did have the challenge as having to play a 1940s gumshoe <laughs> against a green screen on his own for the majority of the film. Which yeah, I think I think is a challenge, particularly for a young actor. I don't know it, that anyone could have done a better job with that with that brief. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> um, and then yeah, Gabriel Brown's a little bit disappointing. I think here his character again doesn't have much to him. He's very he's very down and miserable for someone who's a yeah a, a weird counterculture comic book artist but of course because he's a cartoonist everyone wants to have sex with him and that, that's how it works isn't it yeah that's exactly how it works but it's weird seeing him in that kind of role because i just think of him as he's in like excalibur and lionheart and all those kind of like rugged arthurian films that i like what gabriel byrne yeah wasn't he in um or i think he's something else someone else I, I always think of him for um the other movie from the era that uh, usual suspects oh yeah yeah but that's cancelled though because of kevin spacey oh that's true but kevin spacey was in everything yeah no, he's in he's in excalibur <laughs> he's in he's in and lionheart we need to talk about lionheart at some point he's in wait lionheart as in the one with the big cgi uh oh no I'm, that's dragonheart what's no, dragonheart lionheart? lionheart have you never seen lionheart it's one of those 80s like adventure films it's a it's it's a it might be a shit piece actually but i like it Oh, I used to when I was younger anyway. I've looked up Lionheart and it's come up with a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, which I assume is not the one. No, uh, it's the one about the <laughs> Crusades. Um, it's about it's about the Crusades, is it? Yeah. Okay. It's very um, 80s. <laughs> very well, very well. Um, Gabriel Byrne is still in excellent stuff. He's in Hereditary, which is a wonderful movie oh yeah I, I, I quite want to see that actually like you know i don't watch loads of horror stuff but i've heard nothing but good things about that and it looks very interesting it is it is good same person who did uh midsummer which we watched that for the podcast didn't we love that film um yeah so it's the same guy as, as midsummer it's a lot darker than midsummer um but very very good and some amazing performances in it so um 
yeah, well worth well worth the watch. You mean um, it's Midsommar. Midsommar. Um, one thing I did want to bring up about Cool World before I, you know, we must be running out of time now, um, is the the soundtrack, which is amazing. Yeah, it really, really helps. If the music, if the soundtrack and the score were not good, it would be unwatchable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would genuinely um, be an assault on the senses. David Bowie did an original song for it. Real Cool World is That's an original right. David Bowie song, which plays over the credits. But you've also got people like um, like Future Sound of London, Ministry, The Cult, My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. Moby is in the in the soundtrack. Brian Eno. Um, and it's a really interesting, cool soundtrack to this film. It's exactly what it needed. It's just a shame that it's attached to a movie that doesn't do the soundtrack justice. It's, yeah, it's bizarre. No, and but often a good soundtrack does elevate a film slightly, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it, just wanted to mention that is even if you don't watch Cool World, give the soundtrack a listen. It's good. Yeah, and I've talked about the score. I mentioned the kind of the industrial, grungy bits of the score that really, really help the aesthetic to pop. But there's mm. also, whenever there's a woman on screen, there's sexy sax going on in the there's background sexy somewhere sax as well. All which, the time, which whenever is hilarious. there's going on, which is a lot of the time. It, so it, it knows it, how to make good use of horny sax. It goes between just abrasive digital drum beats and horny sax, which, yeah. to be fair, are two of my favourite kinds of music. So, I mean, I'm I'm smitten with the, with the soundtrack for this. I'd one. go to a concert of that. Yeah, yeah. You should listen to God Break Down the Door by Nine Inch Nails, which is literally those two things in the Does same it have song. horny sax on it? Yeah, it's got oh. horny sax. Um, put, put God Break Down the Door in the show notes. Nothing to do with the movie. Apart right. from it sounds exactly like what should be in the soundtrack to Cool World. <laughs> Excellent. Um, anyway, is there anything else you'd like to say about, uh, about Cool World? Um, no, I, I think I've said everything. I, I think I mentioned the, the narrative problems are just that it ends up being like, when it tries to come together at the end, it ends up being about like tying up the logic of the worlds and how people become tunes or real or whatever, instead of actually sorting out the story. It's just like Brad Pitt's a tune now and he, yeah, he looks like a sort of Tintin cast off and that's the end of the film. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's basically it, isn't it? He's um he can now have sex with his cartoon girlfriend, and that's the happy ending. Yeah, and you to be fair, you're happy for him in that moment. Yeah, you are. You? Oh, he's alive, and he can finally have sex with his girlfriend. Well done. Yeah, um, but yeah, cool world. What a film! <laughs> so I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it exists. It's certainly something, isn't it? There's nothing quite like Cool World out there. Um, so a little bit of, of trivia for you. So Paramount did a publicity stunt for this movie where they put a giant cutout of Hollywood next to the D on the Hollywood sign. Um, and it led to massive complaints from local residents who demanded it be taken down, um, which is great. Um, the first choice for Jack Deebs, the cartoonist, was Willem Dafoe, which I think would have been oh, Okay, Okay, I can see that. Um, after that, Ralph Baxi wanted Brad Pitt to play Jack Deebs. But Paramount Pictures disagreed, I think, uh, probably too young. because he was too young at the time, um, which is interesting. Um, and uh, and yeah, so it could have been a completely different movie, really. I would have loved to see the the, the horror movie take on this. Yeah, I mean, that, that would have... I'm certain it would have been even more critically panned and an even worse box office bomb and could have ended Ralph Bakshi's career, but I still wish that it existed. I still wish it existed, and come on, let's make it, guys. Let's do let's do cool well proper. 
Cool World Proper. That's the, that's the working title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so how are we going to rate Cool World? Oh, I don't know. How many weird goons are there in your Cool World who are inexplicably in every scene gurning? <laughs> so I've I've got a decent number of um, of gurning goons um i've got seven gurning goons yeah that sounds about right maybe i'll yeah i'll go i'll go the same yeah seven seven out seven goons out of 20 i mean it's not good it's it's objectively a bad film but there is something very very intriguing and engaging about it and i do i do recommend giving it a watch when you've got the stomach for it it's not a special friday night film it's not like a romantic sunday sunday (laughs) film either it's one for when you yeah, you, you're ready for something that's wild. You want to watch something that you'll never forget, but you wish you kind of wish you could. That's yeah. that's, that's when you want to watch Cool World. <laughs> so up next, I've forgotten what we were going to do. The heat has fried my brain. The heat is on. We're, well, we... with the, we're we're only one more episode away from the Schnorgusboard, so obviously I'm yeah. very very excited about that. But in terms of our sort of ca- cartoon crossovers, we were going to do the Double Space Jam, weren't we? That's unless right. there was something yeah. else. Um, I didn't find anything else. So, right, should we double Space Jam it? Yeah, Space Jam and Space Jam, a new legacy. I'm calling it Space Jam 2. I'm not Space calling, Jam it 2. calling it that title. That Sorry. is a pretentious title, isn't it? Sorry, Space Jam, a new legacy. You're Space Jam 2 forever. Sorry, LeBron James. <laughs> Sorry, LeBron. But, uh, but we're not calling your, your film the, the film it is. It's not happening. Yeah, oh, the Space Jam double bill. I'm looking forward to offending so many people who love love Space Jam. All seven of them. <laughs> oh dear. All right. Well, this this was cool. I I really enjoyed watching Cool World, um, and it was really really different. So so good good choice. Good work, team. <laughs> Thank you very much. I bring you awful films to watch. That's what I do. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, so you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. Hope you enjoyed Cool World. Do check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, there's a link in our show notes where you give us money. It's like a virtual tip jar. And we'll be back next week to talk about Space Jam and Space Jam 2. Oh, yeah. Alrighty. Bye bye. Bye.